This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sport of Pro Wrestling podcast. I am Chris Samsa, and this is your New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 30 Night 11 preview. Now, this is normally where I would jump into the script that I had written, or the I guess the preview that I have posted on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I would read to you the introduction paragraphs where I kind of lay out what's at stake in this evening, but I'm working backwards today. I don't have my uh, I don't have my written preview written yet, and I uh, I figured I would just give it a shot to try to do the audio, get it over to Joe Lanza so he can put it up on the uh, the podcast network. So I'm freestyling today. Now I'm not I'm not completely unprepared. I do have um, all of my the data points, and I have kind of dissected a few of them. But with this card, we've got three first-time matchups, so there's not a ton of backstory like between the wrestlers to tell. Uh, at least uh, in those three matches, which which happen to be some of the some of the bigger matches on the card. So we're doing things a little bit differently. Hopefully, it is equally enjoyable. Hopefully, it gets you equally prepared for this night of the G1 Climax, which I think will be a great card. With all that said, I'm not sure if uh, working on the fly here is going to cause me to go long or short, or if you'll hear some super obvious edits if I figure something out at the end of the podcast that I want to dump into the beginning. So, you know what? I'm not too worried about it. It's going to be a good time. I, uh, you know, I might just leave all that stuff in there. I might leave in the part where I'm like, man, Chris, you sound like a dope there. Um, but probably not. I'll probably cut that part out. Uh, it's kind of weird to talk to yourself. Um, but here we go. So let's look at some of the, the logistics of this show. Uh, it's a good place to start. So uh, it'll be October 7th, 2020. It'll come at us from Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall. The time will be 6.30 p.m. JST. Now that's 4.30 a.m. my time here in Chicago. It is 5.30 on the East Coast. And let's take a look at uh, Sydney. It is uh, 7.30 p.m. In, in Sydney, Australia. So they luck out with the good the good times. So um, you can obviously watch live or on-demand live with the Japanese commentary and on-demand shortly thereafter, maybe 36 hours after, with the English commentary on NJPW World. And if you're using NJPW World, I'm sure you already know that you should be using NJPWEXT. NJPWEXT is the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like synchronized viewing parties, dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. And since we're doing kind of a, a look under the hood... I obviously, I, every single one of these these audio previews, I have read that ad read, and that's part of kind of a trade that I've got going with the NJPWEXT folks, and really what, what happened is they recognized an opportunity to 
uh, link a, a good preview of each event to the event page on NJPWEXT as a service to their their customers. And, you know, for me, it, it gets my work out there a little bit. And so we, we've traded um, kind of just content, right? So like if you've got that extension, it'll be really easy to find uh, the work that I do uh, for each of those cards. So that's the story there. So now it's time to take a peek at the standings, the block standings. So we've got Kota Ibushi at the top of the block with eight points. He's four and one. And then we've got a good, healthy group of wrestlers with six points at, at three and two right now. And that's Jay White, Will Ospreay, Tai Chi, Minoru Suzuki, and Kazuchika Okada. So and b- below them, just you know, really two matches out of the, out of the lead is Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Jeff Cobb. And then at the bottom of the block is the still winless Yujiro Takahashi. If we look at total match length, it's kind of surprising that Shingo Takagi leads the uh, leads the block with uh, one hour thirty two minutes and fifty four seconds in total match length. He uh, hasn't that hasn't proven to be a successful strategy for him, uh, or maybe it's not a strategy. Maybe he's um, just trying real hard and not coming up coming up short. Shortest in that in that top six group, kind of no surprise, is Minoru Suzuki, 56 minutes and 38 seconds. And then uh, most of them bundled right around there. Um, nobody really going super long in this block. It's a little bit different than the B block in that sense. No one going super short either. The The variance is, is much smaller than what we see over in the B block where you've got Tetsuya Naito and Toriano literally just living in opposite land. So... As we go through the tournament here, we want to keep an eye on these key tiebreakers. Both of these blocks, both of these blocks are really likely to come down to more of who you beat versus how many. So let's take a look at the key tiebreakers. Now, I define a key tiebreaker as a tiebreaker over a wrestler within two points of the top of the block. Uh, being within two points of the top of top of the block is important because if a wrestler's within two points of the lead, it's possible for them to tie the leader with their next match. So if they then have a tiebreaker over the uh, the person that they tie, they would then be the the winner. So we're looking at Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Jay White. Those are the guys uh, within two points or at the top of the block. So Kota Ibushi has key tiebreakers over Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay. Okada has tiebreakers over Taichi and Minoru Suzuki. Will Ospreay has a tiebreaker over Jay White. Minoru Suzuki does not have a tiebreaker over anyone in this group. Taichi only has a tiebreaker over Minoru Suzuki. And Jay White has a tiebreaker over Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada. So I think it's kind of, it may be fair to say, just based on history, that Jay White's two tiebreakers may end up being the most important tiebreakers. I mean, Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada, they're constantly competitors that are going to be in the hunt at the end of block competition. Uh, besides that, I think Ibushi's two over Okada and Osprey are really important too. That could come into play. And I think we're getting to the point where if we look at Kazuchika Okada, he's likely going to have to win by points versus a tiebreaker because he, he's on the negative side of a, of a couple of really key, key tiebreakers. 
So that's the A block entering tonight, and let's take a peek at the C block. The C block being the Young Lion match that begins each of our G1 Climax cards this year between either Yota Suji, Yuya Uemura, or Gabriel Kidd. Uh, Yota Suji and Yuya Uemura, they both had a 15-minute draw just earlier today. So that uh, those those these time limit draws in the C block seem to be making things really interesting. So right now, uh, so we're assigning we're assigning points to the C block the same way we would any other block in the G1. Two points for a win, one point for a draw, and nothing for a loss. So these guys will each have 12 matches through the course of the 18 uh, G1 block cards, and so their their max points is 24. And right now, Yotasuji's got eight. Yuya Uemura has seven, and Gabriel Kidd has five. Now, Gabriel Kidd has had one fewer match than these two, so that is the wrinkle here as we look at the max points. The max points are um, the total that you could accumulate if you win every single one of the rest of your matches. And Yotasuji's max points are 18, Yuya Uemura's is 17, and even though Gabriel Kidd only's got, only has five points, he is he still maxes out at 17 because he's just had one fewer match than Uemura and Suji. The unofficial C block match on this particular card that we are previewing tonight is Yota Suji versus Gabriel Kidd in a rematch of their most recent um, time limit draw. So they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one against each other on this tour. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, we land ourselves with another really good match here or, or even another time limit draw. So it's uh, one fall to 15 minutes. So we'll see how we land and potentially it'll set up Gabriel Kidd to stay in the hunt. So now let's take a look at this A block card. The main event tonight, Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi in their first ever singles meeting. Semi-main event is Taichi versus Jay White. In their second uh, singles meeting. Third down from the top is Will Ospreay versus Minoru Suzuki in a first time singles meeting. The second block match of the evening will be Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb, also a first time singles meeting. And the opening block match, right after that Young Lion match that we just talked about, will be Tomohiro Ishii versus Yujiro Takahashi. So I'd be lying if I didn't uh, disclose that Kota Ibushi and Shingo Takagi are my two favorite wrestlers, probably, I don't want to say of all time, but definitely right now. They're my two my two favorites. So seeing them in a match together, I, I've probably put it on a pedestal that it cannot meet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to enjoying it, certainly. So that is our main event tonight. First time matchup. First time ever in the same match. So they've never even teamed together. They've never been across the ring in a tag. Uh, no random, nothing random with DDT or Dragon Gate or anywhere that these guys have come from. So this is the first time they've ever gotten into the ring together. I'm a little disappointed in the circumstances in the sense that Ibushi is at the top of the block and that Takagi is is kind of not seen as someone who's competing to to get to the top of the block. He's uh, two matches behind, so four points behind Ibushi, and this is not a super high stakes block match any, any more than any G1 Climax block match would be. 
So, like I said, Ibushi coming in with eight points, top of the block, the leader in the the leader in the clubhouse, and Shingo coming in at coming in at four, fighting from behind here. So, if we take a look at 2020, year, I guess year to date, we've got Kota Ibushi coming in at five and four, Shingo Takagi at six and five. Uh, Kota Ibushi obviously spent some time in the tag team division with Hiroshi Tanahashi. He was the IWGP tag team champion for a little while there even so that's probably why his singles matches are, are a little bit reduced so these guys though when it comes to like match by match averages and, and performance they're very similar so average match length for Kota Ibushi has been 20 minutes and 13 seconds average for Shingo Takagi in 2020 1902 so they're within uh, a minute of each other now Takagi's average winning match length though is 20 minutes and one second so long um takes in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast 
Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived. And, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door It takes a little, little longer to win those matches. Some of those were those really hotly contested, never open weight matches. And then Ibushi's average winning match length is fifteen fifty. So, and that doesn't seem to be rising significantly in this A block uh, competition. Most of his matches have hovered right around that kind of twenty to twenty two minute range. Uh, average losing match length for Ibushi though twenty five forty two. For Takagi in that metric, we're looking at 1751. So if, if Shingo's going to lose, he, he typically loses a little faster than he wins. Really fascinating with this, with this match is that they've, they've literally never been in the ring together. And that, I think, is a really fun product of the way um, New Japan has booked this year's G1 with none of those preview tags. Is that a situation like this, where these guys have never actually interacted in a ring... The first time they're going to interact is when that bell rings in a main event, in a main event during the G1 Climax. So that is high stakes enough for me. I'm really looking forward to this match. I really hope um, it's hotly contested. I hope that 
Um, by the end of it, I'm just rooting for both guys to come out safe so I can continue watching and rooting for both of them as the tournament progresses. So as we head down to the semi-main event, we're going to have Tai Chi facing Jay White. Tai Chi and Jay White are both coming in with six points. So this is a match that could um, kind of separate that that next tier right below Kota Ibushi. Um, and potentially one of these guys could end up tied with him if Ibushi can't uh, defeat Takagi. So Tai Chi and Jay White, they faced off once uh, for the first time in last year's G1. Jay White was the winner in that in that match. It was on Jay White's winning streak. And they're both coming off of big losses uh, just the other night. So Jay White lost to Jeff Cobb, and Tai Chi lost to... Who did Tai Chi lose to? Oh, Tai Chi lost to Tomohiro Ishii. My bad. Something to keep an eye out for as the tournament progresses with Jay White in particular. He, is, uh, he, he does have one of the longer total match lengths in the tournament so far at 1 hour, 29 minutes, and 54 seconds, and his average winning match length of 19 minutes and 35 seconds, the second highest in the block behind only Tomohiro Ishii, who uh, his average is is kind of inflated with that uh, longest match with Shingo Takagi. Taichi and Jay White will certainly be a kind of a convergence of similar styles. They both are um, happy to take shortcuts, Jay White usually uh, employing the the uh, services of his manager Gato, whereas uh, Tai Chi is more likely to grab a chair or a microphone stand or really any uh, blunt object and 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 try to try to hit his opponent with it. So it'll be interesting to see who can out duel the other in a um, in a battle of the nefarious means. Third down the card, we've got Will Ospreay and Minoru Suzuki also both coming in with six points. This is another. This this is kind of the opposite of Jay White and Taichi. Jay White and Taichi are the the guys coming in with similar styles, and then you've got Will Ospreay and Minoru Suzuki. And I don't know that I could um, put two wrestlers in the ring that I think have um, more different styles, but they're both really successful. Really, um, they both are definitely competitors that could go to the end of this block uh, near the top, if not at the top. So this will be another pivotal match. They're both coming in with six points at three and two, and this could uh, this could act as a pretty important tiebreaker. So Will Ospreay, the younger guy in the, in the situation, Minoru Suzuki in his 50s, but still putting up great, great performances, has clearly been um, an asset to this year's G1. And also, he's he's been a player. I mean, he's right there at the top of the block. So, um, again, another another one of those situations where the the styles are going to be super different, and it'll be really fascinating to see how they interact. Now, these guys also have never had a singles match against each other, though they have interacted in a few tag matches. Nothing major, though. They've never built towards anything with it. So it's the first. This will be the first time that they they truly. Um, do battle and that's this is it's kind of a generational dream match if you if you if you're really into the Will Ospreay generation and where he's headed and uh, Minoru Suzuki and, and where he's been so this should be this should be a fun one 
if we look at, say, 2020, um, they've actually had uh, surprisingly different years. And, and you'd imagine Will Ospreay would have had a, a positive win-loss record so far in 2020. But he started off on, on kind of a rough foot. So he's at three and four coming in here. And, and that's unusual because last year he landed at 22 and 11 in all of his um in all of his singles matches. So he is working towards 500. If he can win tonight, he will be at 500. And then uh, I'm sure he hopes to carry on through the tournament in a, in a positive manner. As in Minoru Suzuki, he's 5-4. and four. He recently won the Never Openweight Championship from um, Shingo Takagi at the Outdoor Stadium Show, uh, Summer Struggle in Jingu. Uh, something to look out for is, is who beats Minoru Suzuki and maybe are they um, someone that would be a good com- a good challenger for the Never Openweight Championship. That is a title that Will Ospreay has held before. So um, that could come into play here. Again, these two, it's going to be... Um, it'll be interesting to see whose pace wins. So Will Ospreay, a much faster paced wrestler. Uh, Minoru Suzuki is a little bit more methodical. It'll be what, what I'll be looking out for is whose pacing is um, winning out. The second block match on the card will also be a first time matchup. This one between Kazuchika Okada and Jeff Cobb. Kazuchika Okada entering with six points and Jeff Cobb entering with four Okada finally won his first match in nine uh, in, in nine victories with a pinfall just last night against Minoru Suzuki. So I don't know if that's going to break him out of his, um, I guess, his funk of, of really trying to establish this Cobra Clutch as his finishing maneuver. But uh, it was nice to see him get the one, two, three on Minoru Suzuki, even though it was kind of a flash pin. It wasn't a rainmaker. It wasn't an impact move. It was kind of a, a trickery. But either way, maybe that shakes him out of it and helps him recognize what uh, tools are available for him to win matches in the G1 Climax So um, and not have to go for submissions or referee stoppages. Now, not, not to say that that's not a relevant thing to have in his back pocket, but I'm still waiting for the day that we see Okada you know, wind up the Rainmaker and uh, finish a match with some authority. I don't think Jeff Cobb's the guy to do that with, though. Jeff Cobb uh, just defeated Jay White. He's a big, beefy guy. He's had a, a, a tough run this tournament. I don't know. He he hasn't been bad by any means. He is, uh, you know, at four points. He's, he is still technically still in the hunt, but he hasn't. He doesn't have any major, impressive, like dominating victories. His victory over Jay White was more Jay White's attempts at, um, you know taking a shortcut going wrong. Now in in 2020, these guys are actually the two guys in New Japan that have the two most victories. So Jeff Cobb's at 9 and 5 and Kazuchika Okada's at 11 and 5. So Cobb uh he kind of ran through the New Japan USA situation. He's most of his wins have actually come in America, but either way, he's been strong in in New Japan anyone they've put in front of him he's had a chance to win and he racked up nine singles victories so in in 13 matches Okada similarly um, kind of surprising every time you look at it and he still has the most wins 
he's you know he's he has mostly had singles matches this year especially in in on key cards and and they're not championship matches because he lost the title early in the year but 11 wins is good I mean you can't knock that Okada is still a player even though maybe he's not as authoritative with um you know since coming back from the the pandemic hiatus and the first block match on the card will be Tomohiro Ishii versus Yujiro Takahashi. Tomohiro Ishii coming in with four points, Yujiro at zero. So this is kind of a, I'm going to kind of take an offshoot here. This is kind of a, this is a pretty linear card. You've got your top guy, uh, Ibushi, at the at the top of the card. He's got eight points. And then as you go go down the card, you've got two guys with six points, two guys with six points, one with six and one with four, and then one with four and and one with zero. So if you kind of add up the the block points that have been accomplished already in each of these matches, this is actually a card that's in order. So that maybe that's telling. Um, so and maybe you can look at Ishii and Yujiro and say like that's a pretty low stakes match. But these guys are the only ones with any like significant history against each other in 2014. Tomohiro Ishii and Yujiro Takahashi fought for the Never Openweight title twice, um, bouncing that title between each other, uh, Ishii coming out on top in their second match. And then in 2015, they fought in the G1, uh, where Ishii was also victorious there too. They also fought in 2006, way back in 2006, when they were both Young Lions, and Yujiro just went by Yujiro. So, Total head-to-head, Tomohiro Ishii is 4-1 and one against Yujiro Takahashi. In 2020, Ishii, uh, his win over Taichi put him at 500 for the year, so he's 5-5, five and five, having a pretty solid year. And Yujiro is sitting at 1-8. At Again, no wins just yet in the G1. So that'll be a, a, a fine little opener. I think um, every, every, people are starting to wonder when Yujiro is going to get his first win of the block. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, this is a really strong block, and Yujiro is definitely the, um, the least competitive wrestler in it. Some of these guys, they, they find a way to win some miscellaneous random match, and, um, you know, it, it happens. It definitely happens, especially over the course of a long tournament. So keep an eye on Yujiro. He might, maybe, maybe she's the guy. Whew, all right, we did it. We previewed all five block matches. Um, I'm going to go and write my preview, which will probably go up super late on VoicesOfWrestling.com, but I am a completionist if I am nothing else, so I will write a preview. It will be up there, and it will live forever. So, that's all I've got for you today. We've, we have previewed all five G1 Climax A Block matches on the October 7th card. I will be back tomorrow to preview yet another card in a row, the October 8th B Block card, headlined by Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil. Like I said, eventually you'll be able to find this preview in written form at sportofprowrestling.com or voicesofwrestling.com. And you can give me a follow on Twitter at the Chris Samsa to interact with me during the G1. I'm definitely going to be up for this show. I'm looking forward to it a lot, actually. Uh, first-time matchups are, are kind of my thing. They're what I really want to watch because, you know, I feel like it's the beginning of a story, potentially. So three of those on this card, really important. And then also Jay White and Taichi only in their second matchup of all time. So this is my kind of card. I appreciate you giving me a listen, and I will see you next time on the Sport of Pro Wrestling Podcast.